Rutherford. We're pretty proud of ourselves here. Mike Rutherford here with you, Danny Sennard, joining me once again as we're going to talk more Louisville hoops. And Dan, let me just start off by saying, for clarity's sake, we're recording this Monday night. It's half national championship game. You kind of shit on my um, like handyman stuff last week. You said that I was better than you, but you this still kind true. of in that category. I will have you know that I spent the first half putting together a high chair uh, while watching the national title game. So, yeah, fuck you. How are you? Um, well, you just lost your man card for putting together a high chair during the college football title game. But What else am I going to uh, do? It? I've got no <laughs> options here. i got no other time. I'm, well, what do you want me to say? I am proud of you. That's that's a big accomplishment. <laughs> I mean, I'm a dad. I'm not going to hate on anyone that's trying to be the dad. So, um, good job. I'm sure Mary is thrilled. And... Hey, a high chair, you know, that's it's a necessity. So uh, we'll take yeah. it. We got it. So real quick, before we get into the conversation today, um, the podcast now is available on Spotify. It's available on iTunes. It's available on your podcast app on your phone. So if you're listening to this on the website and you want it to you know, be easily, more easily accessible, you can do that now. Uh, just go ahead and sign up and, and you can subscribe to the app basically anywhere uh, you can find podcasts. So give us five stars. That would help us as we try to, to move on here. Got some feedback from the first show, and we are going to work on the audio quality. We actually tried to – I'm only doing Skype because it's the only one that I know how to do podcasts on. We actually tried to do like a ringer, a different software that people had recommended before we got started here. And the result was like a one-minute clip of just Dan and I saying hello to one another <laughs> and not being able to hear the other one, which we may use as like the intro to the podcast at some point. But I, I will, when I get a little bit of time, uh, look at a, a, a recording device that's going to give us some, some better audio quality. But do appreciate everybody who listened to episode one and gave us some feedback. Uh, we appreciate it. We're going to move forward here. So we're going to talk today about, first and foremost, the most recent resort for the Louisville basketball team, which was Saturday in South Bend. Louisville goes up there to the Joy Center inside Purcell Pavilion and walks away with a 67-64 win over Notre Dame. I think the most interesting part about this game, at least to me, uh, just kind of talking the way that we do, is the fan reaction to this. So I'll start with this. Before we get into our overreactions, Dan, your overall takeaway from Louisville winning a game that they were favored to win by three points, by three points, were you more positive about the overall result or were you a little more negative about the result? Unfortunately, I was more negative. Now, I know these are college kids, you know, and they should be happy about every win they get. And, you know, the videos come out, you see them celebrating, you know, Coach Mack makes that a big deal that they're going to celebrate every win. And I'm not going to take that away from them. But this is a team that, especially when we got up by 16 in the first half, that you just have to put your foot down and put them away. I mean, to let them back in the game, that was pretty, you know, to be honest, it was fucking terrible. Sorry, I just wanted to say fuck because uh, <laughs> I was reading the comments and everyone was clamoring for more cussing. I, I actually went back and counted yours. Uh, you were at four fucks on the first podcast and um, I actually had no fucks given. So well, um, literally, literally right and figuratively. Sorry, I was sitting on that joke all podcast. So <laughs> um, no, but uh, seriously, um, you know, to let them back in the game was inexcusable. Uh, the way Steve played, definitely inexcusable. Um, and still, I mean, we talked about this last podcast. They're, they're just trying to figure out their identity right now. Um, thank God, you know, Jordan had it going from the outside. Ryan had a good game. Um, but again, you know, 
we inconsistency from the point guard slot. Uh, Fresh did finish the game, but Darius looked shaky. I think he had, you know, what was it? One assist, two turnovers. I don't know if he scored. Um, David looked good um, for for stretches. But, you know, that's just a team where I think we should beat by more. It is nice to get a win. Um, it would have been a tough loss there. But there's, you know, there's not going to, you know, like we talked about last podcast, there's not a whole lot of opportunity for great wins out there. I think the uh-huh. Duke game coming up in, in two games is going to be huge. We're, 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 we definitely need a big win in our resume. But, you know, asking for my overall opinion, unfortunately, I I felt indifferent after the buzzer sound. I, I think I was more in shock since Bray didn't call a timeout there at the end of the game, which, God, you know, we love Mike, but that was uh, <laughs> that was something. Yeah. Um, but overall takeaway: glad we got the win. Tons we can work on. I don't know how you. I don't know how you felt. For starters, we found out after the game Stephen Enoch had the flu. So I mean, would you say borderline heroic that he even suited up for this game? I mean, I think. If anything, we deserve like 10 extra points just because we were playing with a sick guy. So uh, props to Stephen Enoch battling through that. Um, I, I don't think his – he did look sick. Like I, I know that we all kind of make fun of, of coaches who do this after games, but he didn't look like himself. Like he yeah, was if, – If you're sick, you need to pull the Michael Jordan when he's on the bench and have like one of your players put the big ice pack on the back of your neck as you're like falling oh, yeah. over. Just so everyone knows that you're sick because, you know, as fans, what you know – we're we're going crazy here, but um, after he started one of five with like the three shots that rolled around the rim from five feet out, that's when you have to start like limping to the bench. That's when you right. have to, you, you got to go down to the trainer, maybe fake dry heave into a trash can a couple times. Like let us know that something's going on here, um, because otherwise we just think you're playing a, a terrible game. And he and, that was kind of what we were thinking at that point. Right, and I texted you during the game. I was like, I, you know, and Malik looked a little banged up. I was like, I think we're getting more from Malik on on one foot than we are Steve right now. But I think there's a clause in Malik's scholarship that he has to shoot at least one three with at least 20 seconds left on the shot clock when the other team has all the momentum in the world. He does it every single game, and it is driving me up a wall. Um, plus if, if, here's the deal it's ridiculous if Malik sees that Stephen Enoch's coming in for him and he thinks it's too soon he's 1000% taking a three on that possession like watch for it the next time like if, if he feel if he's tired if he's ready for a break if it's the normal rotation like he'll play the possession out normally if he sees Stephen coming in and it's only been like 45 seconds and he's getting subbed for doing something stupid and he doesn't like it he's jacking a three like it, it's it's 100% happening and it's not going in so I, I've noticed that uh, this season, it's a new thing with Malik Williams. Usually, it's kind of, he only took in rhythm threes, but this year, it's been kind of like protest threes. I don't know how to feel about that. Going back to your response about the, the, the general takeaway, I think that you're in the majority from what I've seen, and I kind of disagree. Like having like, After the Miami game, you and I did the podcast on Wednesday, and I was pretty down on the effort. I, I thought that we didn't play very hard. I thought that we weren't engaged. I thought that we weren't very intense, and I thought that we should have really beaten that Miami team by like 30 points and run away with it. I had, I I thought that the team didn't necessarily play well for 40 minutes on Saturday. I think that was obvious during the first six to eight minutes of the second half, but I thought they always played hard. And I know that some people push back on me on that and reasonable minds can disagree about something like this. But I had a lot of people when I was talking after the game say, go back and watch the start of the second half and tell me that the effort level didn't wane. And so I did like Saturday night, I went and watched the second half 
And to me, it still looked like they were playing pretty hard. They were just playing bad. And you can play bad and still play hard. I think sometimes it's hard to differentiate between the two. But to me, this was a step in the right direction just because not only did they win a game where they were trailing by four with four minutes to go and had zero momentum, and we've seen them lose that game what feels like a billion times in the last two years, but I thought that the like guys who've kind of had a tendency to pout when they've been playing poorly weren't really pouting. I, I like that Jordan um, was getting praised for his defense after the game by guys like Dwayne Sutton. I like the fact that Dwayne Sutton stepped up in crunch time and made two huge shots. And was it wasn't big. just it wasn't just Dwayne either. Like like you kind of if you go back and watch the last four minutes, Dwayne's two threes obviously stand out. But Fresh had the two drives to the basket. Jordan hit a really tough runner in the lane, which is a shot that he's missed a, a ton this year. I thought everybody really stepped up. And again, Ken Pomeroy had this game 68-64 Louisville going in. Louisville wins 67-64. They were only favored by three points. I think that like your takeaway, which, I, again, I think most people listening to this agree with you. I think that if this had been a nip-and-tuck game the entire way that played out exactly the same way that it did the last five minutes, then everybody would have been thrilled. I think the thing, the hang-up that everybody has is that, once again, this team built up a big lead. They were up 12 at the half, and it evaporated the first 10 minutes in the second half. I think that's what has people annoyed by at least that part of Saturday's game. Would you agree or disagree? I would agree. Now, I want to I turn around and ask you a question. Because it's, I think, it, to me, it's obvious that we had a lot more talent, to them, that, talent than them. We, like you said, I do think we played hard. What is it that this team's missing that, you know, just seems like we're either letting teams back in games or, or just not able to put them away? Is there something specifically that you think they're missing? Because I, I have my finger on something, but I'm curious on your response. See, I think in this game, I, I, would, get, I would have given you a different answer if you'd asked me that question after UK or Florida State or even Miami. I think in this game it was as simple as Notre Dame just started making all of the shots that they missed in the first half. Like, our perimeter defense was not good. Again, I'm not saying that the effort was perfect or that we should feel um, like this team is where it should be in mid-January, but I think that, like, Notre Dame missed a a bunch of semi-contested shots from the outside in the first half, and in the second half, all of those shots went down. So I don't know if it was just them getting just content with being up by 12 points and letting Notre Dame do whatever they want as much as it was Notre Dame just stepping up and playing a better second half. But if you're asking me how to improve this stuff, how to make sure that this 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 plague that has uh, taken us down the last year and a half stops happening, I, I don't have a, a good answer. I mean, I you can make all the, the arguments you want about needing like the alpha dog, the Montres Harrell, or just needing a team leader or needing Jordan Ward to step up more. I don't have a definitive answer right now. Okay, yeah. And you, you're kind of going in the direction that I was heading in. And it's the cliche thing. I mean, you hear it on, you know, all the radio shows. And it, it's we, we really, we're missing that alpha dog, you know, a, a Montrez, an Ellis Miles, someone that, you know, when we're up by 16 and Notre Dame starts to creep back into the game a little bit, that is going to get in your team's shit and just make sure that, uh, you know, hey, this isn't going to happen. We're going to put our foot down and stomp these guys. And, you know, if that takes a, you know, a dunk, a hard foul, you know, getting in your teammates face, you know, whatever it is, I, we're missing it right now. And, uh, you know, Chris, he, he's a great leader and I think he's doing everything he can on 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 his part. Um, but, you know, Dwayne, he, he kind of leads more by example. Um, uh-huh. And I just think we're kind of missing that 
that alpha dog. And I hope someone's able to develop that over the course of the year. I don't know if that's something that can be developed, you know, this late in the season, but I would really like to see um, someone step up into that role. Here's the one thing that I would say. Who, that role that you just talked about, the, the guy that you're just describing, who was that on the 2013 national title team? Gosh, I mean, Trez was a freshman then. So, I mean, he really couldn't assume that role. Shane was probably someone that I wasn't going to mess with at the time. I don't think he was really like a a jersey grabber. But with that, we had such good leadership from from Peyton at the point guard position where we didn't, I guess, in that sense, really didn't have to have it then. Yeah. Um, but this team just, they don't have a point guard leader of that. So I think they need to find it from, from somewhere else. See, I think with that team, like, I think that you, you can have success w- with the role that you're just talking about, like the Montrez Harrell guy, who's the, I think the, the player that everybody has been using as the example of what this team could use. But I think you can also, if everybody's on the same page. Oh wait, almost... never mind. It was, it's Zach Price. Sorry. It was Zach Price. <laughs> 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 Sorry. I slipped my mind there. He was fantastic at getting into pictures. Shout out to him. Um, But I I think that like with the 2012-13 team, if you have everybody on the same page, you almost don't need that guy. Because that team, if somebody was not doing what they were supposed to in the middle of a game or by a lot of accounts, like in practice, it was everybody who just jumped on him. And I think you're starting to see a little bit of that. Like I love the little stuff like Jordan Wara when after I think he hit the three in the second half and Notre Dame responded with the three to put them back up one. This was like with seven or eight minutes to go. He was the one who called everybody, he huddled up everybody, he said something. Like just little stuff like that. I like seeing it. I think you see with Fresh Kimball too a lot. And Dwayne, I wonder how he's going to respond to having this to have to having this performance down the stretch. Cause I think that Max sort of gave him the talking to before the UK game that you need to be the guy who is doing exactly what you're saying, who, who's you know grabbing people by the jersey, who's getting in people's faces. And I think it's tough for a guy who, like he and Stephen Enoch and Jordan Wara are really tied off the floor. It's tough to kind of get in your, your, your one of your best friend's face when they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And Dwayne's not naturally that guy. Like you said, he's more of a lead by example dude. But I think that he's starting to turn at least a little bit of a corner when it comes to that stuff. But it, he can't do it all on his own. Like I, I think this is going to have to be a team where a bunch of guys band together and there's just the sort of this unspoken deal. Like we're not going to, we're going to cut out the bullshit and we're going to turn the corner. Cause I don't think that that player is going to emerge that you're talking about. I hope he does, but I, I don't think it's going to happen. Let, uh, let me, let me rain on the parade one more time here sure. before we move on to the next subject. Another reason this win doesn't fully resonate with me is because this is the type of team that I think is a good matchup for us. They're not, their guards aren't overly physical. They're not super quick. Um, and our guards, like even Ryan was able to, to get to the hoop, get to the bucket. Um, the teams that we've really struggled with are teams with athletic guards, um, teams that are physical, you know, Texas Tech, Kentucky, Florida State, even Pitt gave us a ball game um, down in the Yum Center. So, you know, yes, we did one by three. Um, but this team kind of like a Michigan, you know, they, they kind of run like a more of a motion type offense. They're not the most physical team in the world. So yes, it's a good win, but I'm, I'm very interested to see going forward if we can start to match up with some of those teams that are a little more athletic, a little more physical, especially at the guard spot. I think it's a fair point. Like, I I think that if you look at 
like Notre Dame long term, and, and we'll kind of I'm not going to fully transition to the Pitt game just yet, but like Notre Dame is probably going to wind up being a better team than Pitt. Maybe they maybe they aren't. I know they're one and four right now, and Pitt I think is two and three. But I think if you're looking at matchups, Pitt's probably a worse matchup for us just because they have those big, talented athletic guards that can swallow you up a little bit. And we saw what they did to us uh, last year in the first game up there. But I think that that's fair. I'm, Notre Dame is not a team that can match you with athleticism guard for guard. And like you said, I mean, Ryan McMahon, I think he needs the right type of matchup to have the type of game that he did on Saturday. And he was fantastic. And it was awesome to see him get off the snide and make a couple of, of just, you know, baskets that weren't spot up threes. I don't think he can do that against a Florida State team or, or against a Kentucky team. I'd love to be proven wrong there. But I think that's why you're going to see Chris Mack go with situational lineups based on the opponent. I, I think that he's going, he's not going to be a guy who says these five guys are going to get 30 plus minutes every single game. As long as they're not in foul trouble, these guys are going to be our first two guys off the bench. They're going to play 15 to 20 minutes or 25 minutes or, or however, I think he's going to base it off of the opponent. Like, like Ryan McMahon can play 25, 30 minutes against the Notre Dame team. Um, maybe you need David Johnson to play more the next time you, you play Florida state. When we go down there to Tallahassee, maybe you play Darius Perry more against, Pit than you do against Notre Dame. I think that's what you're going to see with the backcourt rotations um, moving forward. And last question on that, and I'll, I'll pose it to you. This is the Louisville's played two games that have kind of come down to the last minute where plays have had to be made in the final seconds. Um, Kentucky and then this game on Saturday. Both times, Fresh Kimball was the guy out there running the point. Um, is this what we're going to see? I, I mean, is Fresh going to be the guy that Chris Mack turns to in crunch time, or is it going to be kind of playing the hot hand? Yeah, I think it's going to be more play the hot hand. Um, although, if you ask me who I would be more comfortable with, it would definitely be fresh at this point. Um, I mean, God, I you know, really want Darius to do well. But does he, I mean, he just fucking drives people crazy. That turnover he had with about five minutes left in the game, I almost broke the re remote control from throwing it across the room. Quick note um, on that, too. Quick note on that. Chris Mack pulled him right away. Last yeah, podcast, yeah, they, last podcast, you made it a point to say, you know, Mac, that's not Mac's game. He doesn't. He lets guys play through his mistakes a little bit more than Rick did. Do you think Chris Mack was listening to Danny Sennard on the Card Chronicle podcast and reacted accordingly? Well, I, I, I I'm being humble and saying he probably <laughs> was just being humble. Um, but I, in all honesty, I'm, I, he did the same thing after that inbounds pass where Steve lost his man and they got the alley-oop. He pulled yeah. Steve right after that as well. Yeah, so did. I'm I'm actually happy to see that that's happening. Um, you know, whether that's a long-term thing, I, I have no idea. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad uh, Chris is a loyal listener. All right, last question on the Notre Dame game. Are you a little bit worried about our guy, Mike Bray? I mean, this is a coach who Louisville fans have loved um, kind of as just like fun, happy Notre Dame dad. This is going to be, if they don't get it together in the second half of, of the, the season here, this is going to be the third straight year they've missed the NCAA tournament. Um, I know they've been ravaged by injuries the last three seasons, if you want to even go back to the, the Bonzi Colson year where he came back at the very end. But I, I don't know. I mean, this is a guy who had been to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, I think three straight years before this current run of three years without the NCAA tournament. And I know Notre Dame is not a rabid fan base, but there is some buzz among ACC people that people uh, in South Bend are getting a little bit restless. Are you worried about our guy, Mike Bray? Listen, I mean, this is Mike Bray we're talking about here. OK, the guy, he's got magic in him. 
Even, I mean, even like, I guess in his early years, I feel like Notre Dame was never like a powerhouse in the regular season. And then towards the end of the season, like his teams would kind of always pick it up around March. Um, but I would be lying if I said uh, that I'm not a little bit worried. Um, he, he does seem to have kind of the same team every year. Like I know last God, this is terrible. Anyone that wants to call me out, fine. I said Jack Cooley last podcast. I know yeah, Mooney, yeah. Mooney, Mooney's their big guy. But they seem to have like one, you know, the same sort of lineup every single year, um, and a lot depends on on guard play and how good the big guy is. And for whatever reason, like you said, whether it's injuries or or maybe recruiting's taking a little bit of a downturn, um, you know, it just seems things are going a little bit south on him. But I'm not going to give up yet. The ACC's down. I think he he should be able to collect some wins. But um, you know, if he doesn't make the tournament this year. I don't think anything will happen to him, but he'll definitely need to make noise next year in order to save his job, I would think. He's also losing, like, a little bit of the lovability thing. Like, he's, uh, ever since we lost Maui Mike Bray, like, ever since the, the dad look from the Maui Invitational, things have just gone bad for him. He had the quotes going into the season that rubbed people the wrong way about <clears throat> his response to, you know, the one-and-done epidemic and transfers and the name-image-likeness stuff. He came off as, as pretty tone-deaf in those comments. Um, and he's the head of the, the coaches association. And so he had, to, I think he had, he was put in a position where he had to talk about subjects that a lot of coaches just want to stay mum on. And so when he, when he had, when he said something, it was always going to be the wrong thing in coaches eyes, or it was going to be the wrong thing in the public's eyes. And he chose to kind of piss off the public. So that was rough. He's also been more on edge this year. When I've watched Notre Dame, he almost got thrown out of their game against Toledo. He flipped out on Saturday after a call that was actually the right call. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I, mean, I remember that. I de- yeah. yeah, I was like, easy, Mike. Take it easy, bud. I'm a little bit worried about him. And this is a man who I, I love the stories about Mike Bray. I've got I've got three favorite Mike Bray stories. I can't tell two of them on the podcast. <laughs> so the, the one that I love the most. Uh, well, I, I can't tell that one. I But this one, do you remember like three or four years ago? The it happened two years in a row. The big AAU tournaments or some of the big AAU tournaments were in Louisville. So like all these coaches were in town. Um, which was awesome because like everybody was sending me DMs or messages about like this coach is is cheating on his wife with this person. Newsflash, like 90% of the coaches in college are going to be cheating on the like that's just it's it's terrible, but that's the way it works at these things. But so Mike Bray on one of these weekends was at Headliners, and the story was relayed to me by the woman who approached him's son, and then she ended up backing it up. So she goes over to him. And I already she's like, love this story. Go oh, it's ahead. great. So she's like, she's like, are you Mike Bray? I think you're Mike Bray. And he's like playing it cool. He's by himself, just like drinking by himself at the bar. And he's like, no, no, no. And she's like, yes, you are. You're Mike Bray. You're five overtime Mike Bray. And he looks at her, puts his drink down and goes, fuck yeah, I am. <laughs> Let's take a motherfucking picture. And they, they, they took a picture and she posted it on Instagram. And it was just, it's wonderful. Like that's, that's the Mike Bray who I need to come back to college basketball. I feel like we're losing him right now. Now, let me ask you this. And I, I guarantee you talk about this on your radio show. So I'm sure some of your loyal listeners have seen this on your Twitter account. But is the Fifty Shades of Bray video, is it still out there? I know they took it off for a little bit. Yeah. Um, is it still out there right now? It resurfaced last year. And it okay. was wonderful because like, it, had, it had disappeared for like three years. Like, I guess because... I'm sure it was a copyright deal because they used actual clips from the movie Fifty Shades of Grey. But somebody, some hero, created a Twitter account that, to my knowledge, is just solely 
to host the Fifty Shades of Bray video. And I found it, and I retweeted it, and I saved it, and now it's 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 staying here forever. It's one of the greatest videos ever made. I, I hope to one day be as happy as someone as Mike Bray is in that fighter pilot uh, <laughs> fighter jet when he's flying in a circle. I've never seen someone so happy in my life. I was like, uh, from that point on, I was like, all right, this guy's awesome. I, I need him in my life at all times. It's the greatest video of all time. Um, I agree. But yeah, but I'm a little bit worried. Notre Dame, uh, this is we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I still think they have a chance to be kind of good this year. All right, we'll move on. Tuesday night, Louisville's going to play at Pitt. It's a place that the Cards uh, lost last year. It snapped what I think was like a 13-game winning streak over the Panthers. Pitt is coming off a performance where they looked terrible against Miami on Sunday. They didn't score for the first seven minutes of the game. Um, They lost to that Miami team that Louisville has handled pretty easily twice already this year. Um, The funny thing, though, is, again, as bad as Pitt looks and as rough as they looked, especially against Miami in their most recent game, Louisville's only projected to win this game by four points on Ken Palm. My guess is when the spread comes out uh, tomorrow morning, it's probably going to be somewhere in that range, four points, five points. Are you nervous uh, about going to the Peterson Event Center Tuesday night? Yes, I am. Um, I would be lying if I said I wasn't. Just for how the we talked about this last uh, pod, but the first game we played super physical, um, got a little bit chippy. Uh-huh. Um, and you just know that that's probably going to carry over, um, into Tuesday night. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, and I'm looking at this box score with Miami. Now we, we spent all last podcast bashing Miami's defense. Um, apparently they're pretty good, uh, giving up just 58 points to pit. Um, but like we talked about, they're a little more athletic at the guard spot. Uh, you know, McGowan's is good. Xavier Johnson's good. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I would say I'm a little bit nervous. Do I think we should win? Absolutely. Um, and to get this win going into Duke would be, would be real nice. Um, cause especially going into Cameron indoor coming off a, a bad loss to pit, um, you know, that'd be a, a pretty big Debbie downer in my opinion going in. Um, but yeah, I'm a little bit nervous. How about you? I feel like Capel, by the way, still coaches for Duke and that he's like, I, I feel like Jeff Capel's more invested in Duke than he is Pitt. And so I wouldn't be shocked if they try to like injure one of our guys just because like Capel's trying to make it easier for Coach K. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. He had Justice Winslow at the game on Sunday wearing Pitt gear. So does that mean the Brotherhood's dead? Has Justice Winslow left <laughs> I saw the that. Brotherhood? It, it's um, over. It's done. God. Yeah. I mean, let me tell you, I'm sure Kay has a lot of close relationships with those freshmen that were there about uh, two months that got their bag and left. So well, they made that um, commercial together. Remember where they were like texting and stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah. For like yeah, commercial. Yeah. 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 Oh, well. Whatever. Um, the big thing for Pitt in that game against Miami, Xavier Johnson, who's their best player, who's you know one of the best players in the entire conference, finished with as many turnovers as points, four point four points, four turnovers. Uh, matches season low. He was pretty good in the first game against Louisville, 15 points. Um, he did foul out of that game. That was one of the reasons why you mentioned it got chippy at the end. They had, remember the ops director for them got teed up. Um, yeah, <laughs> that was, was great. I don't know what happens to ops directors in the Yum Center, but it's it, it's something very, very strange. But they were upset about the game. Uh, Jason Capel, Jeff's brother, who's on staff now, was flipping out at the end of the game. They were looking for a fight. I would not be shocked at all if this gets a, a little bit hostile early on. But like you said, Xavier Johnson's fantastic. Trey McGowan's lit us up last year. He scored 33 points, set a pit freshman scoring record when we were up there. 
Justin Champagne has been pretty good this year, the freshman that they have, but he didn't do a whole lot against Miami. He looked really bad in that game. Uh, it's a game Louisville should be able to win, but these are rock fight type games. And Pitt now, they were a team that going into the last weekend, they were talked about as potentially one of those teams that could be you know, the fourth or fifth best team in the ACC that could step up and maybe steal one of those at-large bids that doesn't go to Louisville, Florida State, and Duke. And then they kind of fall flat on their face um, uh, against Miami on Sunday. This is one of the few opportunities they have left to notch a big win. They've already beaten Florida State. They beat them on night one of the season. Um, they played Duke away, and they have to go to Florida State. So this is the last time that they're going to host a team that you know you feel is like an NCAA tournament lock. They're going to be coming out full barrel. I mean, this is going to be, I, I think, a, a big time game for Pitt. They're going to put everything they have into it, and. I'd be surprised if Louisville lost, but I won't be shocked if it's a little bit antsy in the second half. And I hope that fans, you know, don't flip out if this is another one of those games that's like 69-65 or, you know, 70-64 to 64 or something along those lines. Because uh, Pitt has everything in the world to gain with a win in this one. Right. I think I'm hoping by now all fans have kind of changed their expectations of this team. I would say the first couple weeks of this season, um, when you looked at this game, um, you know, the way we played against Miami and the way we beat up on some of those cup, cupcake teams, you know, we should, in their minds, win this game by, you know, 10, 15 points. But, you know, as we've seen, you know, every game, you know, uh, on the road especially, is probably going to be a little more uh, of a grind. Um, so my, at least me going in, I'm expecting a, uh, a rock fight, and I just want to come out of there with a win and, and move on to Duke. All right, you pitched uh, a segment to me that was Dan on Iran, where you were going to give updates on the war. As my friend who knows the least about world events or really anything at all, so we're going to nix that. We're not going to do that. Um, that's, I, that's that's probably smart. Um, I'm you curious know, to, as to what you would have said. Um, that, that was my uh, thought. Yeah, I actually I want to keep doing the podcast, so yeah. I'm just going to keep my thoughts to, to myself here, and we'll move on to a, a, a happier segment. Um, yeah. We'll put it that way. If you missed episode one, what we're going to do, Danny has uh, the worst luck of anybody I know. Something bad always happens to him. Sometimes it's, it's bad. It's big, bad stuff. Usually it's like little, just stupid, bad stuff. Uh, a lot of times he brings it upon himself. And so we have a podcast segment that we're going to end every show on where Danny tells one of these stupid stories and we're going to call it Dan in the Dumps. So what is the latest installment of the Dan in the Dumps series? I mean, it was a pretty rough weekend. I'm not going to lie. I'm a Vikings fan. They lost uh, seeing Lamar go out. So Saturday I was just kind of wallowing in my own beers, um, just kind of taking the losses hard. So Sunday I wake up and of course my wife, uh, as I get out of bed tells me, Hey, our son wants to go ice skating and she is five months pregnant. So obviously she can't ice skate. So I get the, the fun job of going to let my little guy ice skate for the first time. And by the way, I didn't even text you guys this cause I wanted to save it for the pod. So, <laughs> um, so, you know, he did pretty good going and like, I haven't ice skated in maybe 15 years. The skates really hurt. I don't even think I tied them right. The shoelaces were, or the skate laces were really weird. Um, I felt like my kids were totally different than all the other kids, but I didn't really care. Um, so, you know, it, he, he, it took about like a, a couple minutes each time to go around. He started to get the hang of it. You know, I was like, I, obviously, I'm just going to go slow. I'm, in, I'm wearing jeans. I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, speed skate out there. So 
But finally, we've been there like an hour, and you know, he starts to get the hang of it, and I'm feeling pretty loose. So I was like, "All right, one more lap, buddy." So we're getting ready to head off the ice, and I see all the all the moms of the children just kind of outside against the window watching their kids, you know, skating in the rink. And I was like, I'm going to give the moms one last show here. So I go for like a full <laughs> speed, like, like I'm a big, like a figure skater, like into the thing. And of course, like I did the thing, not where I just like, I wipe out, I like run in place like four <laughs> times and just like completely fall on my ass. And like, not only that, my son is laughing at me. Um, so I literally, I, I thought I was paralyzed. Like I was like, I'm all right, sir, let's, let's head home. Let's get an ice cream. It was one of the most painful things I've experienced in like 10 years. So, uh, anyways, that's, that's my, uh, that was my weekend. So nothing, nothing earth shattering, but yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm feeling it today. That's it. There, there it is. That's episode two, Car Chronicle podcast. Uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you can find podcasts. We're going to be up with uh, episode three later on this week. We may have uh, two more here before we get to Saturday's big game against Duke, which is going to be a whole lot of fun to talk about. But hopefully we can take care of business against Pitt on Tuesday. Thanks so much for tuning in. We will see you guys later this week. Catching up, Joe Rogan.